All right, I just want to continue on the, uh, the conversation that we've been having. I keep telling you I'm not trying to preach a sermon just to have a conversation with you. And I get a sense where we're going so that we can cooperate with what God is doing inside of us. And so let me uh, pray and just ask for God's help for me and for you. So Father, thank you so much for the incredible love that you have for us and that love that was demonstrated not only in Christ dying for us, but now in Christ living within us. We love him so much. And we welcome the, the Holy Spirit's work within our hearts to open up our hearts to new possibilities so our ears can hear what you're saying, our eyes can see it, and we can begin to step in with you, God, to let you do what you want to do within our lives. There's things that you're at work on in each and every life, and if for us, many times we feel like it's, you know, it's just us and what we're walking through, but Lord, you're doing a very similar work, but just custom designed for each of us, because you've got a purpose and a plan, and you want to accomplish something through us, not only individually, but God, as a, as, as a body that knows how to build itself up and provoke itself to love and do what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I'm asking this morning that as I'm talking, you would just simply be with me, make the words come in a way that's hearable to every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me start this way. I'm going to go back to the beginning of 2015. At that point in time, I began to speak in a certain direction, and I'm usually looking ahead, but I had to go back and just connect with it. And at that time, I had said to you that the Spirit of Christ had wanted me to announce an increase of God's glory and an advancement of his kingdom through us, and just simply announce it so that he could begin by his Spirit to work on something within us. And so I just simply made that announcement. He gave me within my spirit a picture of his angelic host coming to back up the announcement that was being made and to work among us. So it wasn't an expectation on anybody, just simply an announcement of what God was doing. And then he had me bring this word of prophecy that he gave to me on December the 6th of 2015. So I'm just going to read it to you. I am raising up an army in this day for this hour that will give themselves fully and willingly to me for me to demonstrate my power and glory through their lives. They will not be a proud people, for they have gone through the fire of testing, through the season of brokenness, and they are now ready. In that season, every aspect of weakness and every reality of failure was in, unveiled in them, and they thought that they were disqualified, and they thought that they were rejected, and yet in their hearts burned a love for me and a desire to be a part of my army. They are my chosen ones. They are the ones I will use for harvesting. These have learned well my love and my faithfulness. These have learned well my forgiveness and my grace. They have observed firsthand my keeping power and have watched my power to transform. These are the ones, the holy ones, the ones set apart, not because of their righteousness and holiness that has set them above, but because through my love and mercy I have set them apart. And I am going to unleash a healing revival through the hands of the broken and the maimed, the weak and the diseased. 
But do not think that revival fires are yet to come. For it is these tests and trials that are the very flames of revival. These flames have purified faith so that those who pass through them do not rely on self, but on me and me alone. These flames have purified their motives so that it is not for pride or ambition, but out of love and gratitude for my mercy that they will serve. Tell those who man has rejected and despised that I have chosen them. Tell them who have fought through rejection, shame, and a sense of disqualification that I have anointed them. Tell them to step forward and line up, for now is the day of my power. And think not that healing revival is about glory and fame. It is about transforming power and purifying flame. For I am going to send them out to multitudes as the season of trouble and anxiety spread and intensifies, and they will unleash the weapon of my love in the power of my joy, emanating with my peace and radiating with my glory. These days of darkness will be as the days of Gideon, when those who have endured the sifting, though they be few and small, will be a mighty army. For from broken vessels, radiating with the glory of the Lord, from lives who are marked with an obedience that grows from reliance, releasing the roar of the Lion of Judah, they will plunder the enemy camp and rescue many souls for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And the reason that that was spoken was to understand the process that God takes you through and yet not allow the process to disqualify you, to understand you are chosen and you are anointed in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your dependency, in the midst of your brokenness. You have the transforming power of God's glory within you. You have his anointing resting upon you, and you are fully equipped because you know his love in your life to be able to tell your story of Jesus to others who, because of the the pressures that are coming on their life, need to see a light of hope that's radiating from the cracks in your life. And at the same time in season came this prophecy, I am going to change your point of reference. No longer will your point of reference be your human reasoning, your moods, or your emotions. No longer will your religious upbringing and traditions be your guide or your measurement. No longer will your performance, good or bad, determine your standing or your destiny, or your accomplishments be the measure of your greatness. No longer will you allow fixation on the failures or wounds of your past to define you or disqualify you from pursuing God's plan for your life. I have chosen one cornerstone, I have raised up one signpost. I have established one point of reference, and that is the glorified Christ, the Messiah. The meaning and the message of his life, the victory and finality of his cross, the authority and power of his resurrection, the ascension and soon return of the Lord of glory, the indwelling person and power of the Spirit of Christ, the present reign of the Messiah within you. That is your measurement. At that time, the Holy Spirit 
had me declare that we would, we would not only walk with a new point of reference, but as we did, our walk with him would become elevated to a new level and a new engagement with the kingdom of God. So all year long I've been preaching on perceiving everything in our lives from the point of reference of Christ and Christ alone. His death and his resurrection and everything that they imply about our freedom and security, our rejoicing and hope, our authority and power, our entrance and access and standing in all the fullness of God because we have been united with Christ. We are united with him We are one with him, and Christ lives in us. I have spoken to you about perceiving the favor and the fullness, the certainty and hope, the incomprehensible love and power, the increasing victory and expanding influence that you can walk in because Christ the Messiah lives in you. So we've been declaring this. And then we ended the year considering the cause for which the Messiah came into the world, the same cause for which you have been called to give your lives. So I want to stop for a moment and just say what a thrill it was to have Pastor Roy speak last week, to see the prophetic mantle that he carries and the pent-up passion that was in him as he spoke with a prophetic anointing. And it was wonderful to see the power of that, but I don't want you to get lost in the personality or the passion. What I want you to do is make sure you heard the prophetic word, which was speaking to a people, not that God raised up President Trump as the Messiah to change the course of history, but just simply through events like the election of President Trump, regardless of what you think of him, Brexit over in in Europe, and, and the different changes that have been made, that God was stalling the events of history in order to give a window of opportunity to prepare a people to rise up who needed at this point in time to make a severance with being defined by the failures of their past in order to be able to step forward into what God was calling them to in this day and this hour. And it was time for those people to hear that prophetic call and to rise up to it. There was more in there, but I'm just giving you the Coles Notes edition here. So we have a window of opportunity to take advantage of, which is what I really believe that God is doing as he's speaking to us through the things that were just being challenged and the work that he's doing in our lives. And so I'm going to continue on. At the beginning of this year, I started to make the announcement that I believe that what God wanted to do was take the foundation of what he had been speaking on and doing within our lives, and he wanted to secure it as a foundation, and he wanted to expand it within our understanding so that he could begin to build upon it and cause us to grow up in some maturity that he wants to bring to us as a body. 
You following with me? So this year, a year of securing and expanding the foundation in order for us to rise up into a maturity as to who we are as the body of Christ, as the temple of the living God. And so that's the direction that I've been speaking on, and I began to, at the beginning of the year, to simply proclaim that Jesus the Messiah is the one that we as his disciples confess to be the apostle and the high priest of our faith. And I I brought us to the scripture from Hebrews 3 verse 1 that says, Holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, who we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. And I'm just laying a foundation and I'm taking my good old time to do it. Which means I repeat some things. It's not because I'm developing some senility. It's because I'm purposely (laughs) repeating some things and laying them down. He is the one sent from heaven. He is the only apostle that has come from heaven. He was sent from heaven to announce the salvation of God and to initiate the kingdom of God here on earth. Hebrews 2 verse 3 says, This salvation was first announced by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard it. God testified to it with signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Jesus is the apostle sent from heaven, announcing the kingdom of God. John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 31 and 32, The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth, and he speaks as one from the earth. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. And he testifies to what he has seen and what he has heard. And then he says, and no one accepts his testimony. So he is the only apostle who has been sent from heaven, who comes with a message of the kingdom, a kingdom that he has seen, he knows, and he understands, a kingdom that he has come to bring its commencement here on earth. The apostles which he gathered to himself, they came to be with him, to see him, to know him, to be saturated in his way of life and in his teaching, so that having been saturated with who he was and what he was about, they would then go out. And we're going to take a look at that. I'm laying very solidly here that Jesus Christ is the apostle sent to lay the foundation of the kingdom in which you and I serve, of which the church or the ecclesia is supposed to be the agent of its advancement. So I'm going to read a scripture here from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, 
which is Jesus the Messiah. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, I've heard numbers of different sermons on this, and I don't want to preach to you somebody else's sermon. So I'm just going to speak to you the way that it's come to my heart. Jesus Christ is the apostle sent from heaven in order to lay the foundation for his kingdom. His life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, they lay the foundation, and everything else is built upon Jesus himself. Everything comes from that. So we spent a year talking about the foundation of his death and his resurrection and what it means to us. At the beginning of our, our decision to follow Jesus Christ, we are called to be baptized in order that we would be united with him in his death and united with him in his resurrection. So his death and his resurrection are, the, are foundational to our understanding of who we are. Our death is foundational to understand our relationship with sin. It no longer has mastery over us. We died with Christ. The law, its punishment, its rules and regulations, and living under a servitude to rules was crucified with Christ when we were crucified with Christ. We are dead to living under the law and under the burden of the law. We now live by grace under the power of promise. Incredible becomes a foundation to our lives. The old man, born under the first Adam, with its sin nature, is done away with. We are raised to new life, a new creation. The last Adam is where our generation comes from. We are a chosen people. We are a new generation. And we would show forth the praises of him who called us from darkness into light. That's who we are. Everything, everything about us, everything about our identity, everything about our life, everything about our character, everything about our work, everything about our destiny, everything about our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with the world is defined by Christ himself. He is the foundation. Now, before you go, I already know this because you probably do already know that, which is always the difficulty that I have in teaching is because I'm dealing with stuff you know, but not necessarily stuff you live. But do you understand that you can do church without Christ being the foundation of it? Do you understand that you can operate in the prophetic, you can do miracles, signs, and wonders, but Christ is not the foundation of it? All right. So let's not just assume that because we know it, we live it. In fact, I've had a lot of church history which has involved a lot of hurt, pain, schism, division, envy, jealousy, 
What is that? That's a bunch of people who are coming to learn about Christ but are not living Christ because they do not allow a death to self-centeredness and a rise to Christ and his love to actually work within them. So we're talking here, and what I'm saying is Christ is the foundation. He's the foundation. He's the foundation of our lives, and everything must go back to him. So he's saying no other foundation. There's no other foundation. You don't have a choice in this, guys. This did not go up for a vote. We did not put out nomination forms and say, who do you want to be the foundation of the church? God chose him. He is the apostle sent from heaven. Nominations closed. One foundation, one foundation alone. You might not like what he stands for. You might not like how he lives. You might not like how it applies to that particular spat that you're in right now. But tough. Only one was nominated, only one elected. It's Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. You've got to build your life and the way you're relating to one another and the way you're relating to life on him. That's it. Hallelujah. The only thing that you can elect to do is to choose Messiah as your Lord and to allow his reign to be within your life and affect everything within you. So then he goes, there's only one foundation But you can choose what you're going to use to build on it. How you're going to build on that foundation. So again, I've heard lots of teaching on the wood, hay, the stubble, the gold, the silver, and and the precious stones. I'm not preaching their sermon, I'm preaching mine. So, wood, hay, and stubble. Things that grow from the earth has everything to do with surface and earth. Gold, and it can burn up. It's perishable. And it can burn up really easily. Destructible. Gold, silver, precious stones. They're usually mined from underneath. And they're enduring. They go through the fire, but they only increase in their value. They go through the process. They only increase in their value. They're enduring. What I'm talking about, the way it's come to me, is wood, hay, and stubble are talking about things that are temporary. They're earthly. Gold, silver, precious stones are talking about things that are eternal and they're enduring. So now let me walk it through just a little bit more. You can have a faith in Jesus Christ. You can come to say, I'm going to be a follower in Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a part of the community. And we're going to build a community around Jesus Christ. But really what you're building is, how does Jesus make my life better? How does Jesus make me more successful? How does Jesus make me more prosperous? How does Jesus make, you know... I'm going to church, and church shouldn't be a problem. Everybody should be nice and not should be challenged. All those self-centered people should be doing it my way, singing my songs. And how come Jesus is allowing me to go through that? Isn't he supposed to make my life better? And it's all about me. It's all about my life. It's all about my happiness. It's all about my success. All things that will not matter in eternity. And you can build your Christianity... You can build on your, the foundation of Jesus Christ and what he did for you and what his promises are. You can build a life that's all about you. Or you can decide to go for something a little bit more enduring, a little bit more worthwhile, like the character of Christ inside of you, like the cause of Christ through you. It's going to cost you more. He's going to have to go down deeper in your life and work. So in the situation that you're in, it's not, well, how come, how come it's not working out for me? How come I'm not being successful? It's no, God, what are you working at in me? 
What is the attitude that you're after in me? What is the value of this world that you want to uproot and the value of the kingdom that you want to establish within me? God, I don't like what I'm going through, but where's the gold in it? Where's the gold in it? How do I come out of this knowing more of who you are and being more like you? Drawing more from your love and being more of a lover. Drawing more from your mercy and being more of an expender of mercy. Drawing from your faithfulness and being absolutely steadfast and immovable with it. How do I draw gold from the situation that I'm going through? How do I lay a hold of the life of Christ, the example of Christ, the teaching of Christ, and the power of the reign of the Messiah within my heart, His Spirit within me? How do I lay hold of that to become like Christ? Now I'm building on a foundation. Gold, silver, and precious stones. That means you can't take me into a circumstance where I can't get benefit out of it. Where I can't grow in maturity. That I can't deepen in the sincerity of my faith. You can't take me into a circumstance. So you can build on this foundation. There is no other foundation. And I want you to know, no matter how you go through it, because he is the foundation, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You can get it sometimes and you can miss it at others, but I want you to know there will always be forgiveness for you. There will not be condemnation. He will always be there for you. His love will always extend to you. He will be faithful to himself. No matter how we struggle to move this along, he is absolutely passionate about bringing forth the Christ in you. He's going to stay there. It's one of the things that I've really learned to love and fear about God. He loves me so much that when he's working on something, he doesn't give up. It doesn't matter what it takes or how he has to work it, but if I miss it this time, we're coming around again. So I really go, I want to get it this time. Because I don't want to repeat the process. Because I know the faithfulness of his love. He's going to go after the gold for me no matter what. He is faithful to himself. I want him to do in me what he's longing to do. Which is to bring the reign of Christ within me. Into every aspect of my being. The way that I reason. The things that I value the things that hold the affections of my heart, the cause for which I live and invest my life, I want him to bring forth the reign of Christ within me. Okay, so as you go through the scriptures and you begin to read from the apostles, you begin to read their letters, you recognize that they are not writing the constitution and bylaws to a new institution called Christianity. First of all, these are people who have given their entire lives to the cause of Christ, to be followers of him, to allow his spirit within them 
to produce Christ. And they have had to do it in the face of great pressure and persecution. And so from their life and from their example and from the teachings of Christ which they were saturated in, they are now seeking to teach believers in the cultures that they live in how to do Christ. How to do Christ. How to do it in the face of persecution. How to do it when the government that you're living under is completely opposed to the principles of the kingdom you serve. Do you oppose government? Do you riot against them and rebel? What do you do? When you're living in a family structure or you're living in a circumstance in which you know I've been set free in Christ, but the circumstances that I'm living are oppressive. How do you live out Christ? When you're living in a culture whose value systems are completely corrupted, with immorality and idolatry and self-centeredness and pride, how do you live out Christ? And as you read the letters that they're writing, they're not writing a constitution and bylaws of how to do church. They are writing to instruct you how to do Christ in an opposing culture so that your life shines, so that your life is presenting before that culture an alternative, <laughs> which is far more glorious, which radiates with the love that Christ modeled when he went to the cross. Wow. This might take a little bit more investment and work than just doing church. Like I can go to church Sunday morning and yeah, I can live like I want. And I can go to church on Sunday morning and smile and lift my hands and look like I'm holy. But living with that same believer during the week, <laughs> especially if they live in your home, this might take just a little bit more. I might need to lay hold of God a little bit more. I might need to find out that His grace is far more than I realize, and His power to transform is far more, and His forgiveness and mercy is far more, and sin has had a far deeper corrupting effect within me and within my heart and the way that I live. And this is going to become a whole lot more real. Now here's what I believe. I don't believe I'm speaking to you something you don't know. I actually believe I am describing to you what the Holy Spirit's already after in your lives. I just want to make you aware that the circumstances that you're in are not a mistake and God hasn't fallen off his throne. You're actually in the midst of revival. Yay, God! You're in the midst of revival fires that are designed to bring out Christ within you. Now, I, I, need, I need to say something to you. I am not looking for an event to take place in this place, and you might need to get rid of me as a pastor. I am not looking for an event called revival that everybody can come and visit. That's not what I'm going after. It's not what I'm called to go after. 
I am not looking for a place where we have this visitation of God and we have these manifestations that we can go run after and everywhere. Look at the manifestations that are happening. Wow, it's so glorious. Look who we are. Revival is among us. I'm not looking for that. Now, don't get me wrong. I am looking for a powerful people walking in the anointing of Christ, being able to manifest Christ in miracle signs and wonders wherever they go. What I am looking for, though, is a people where revival fire burns within their heart 24-7. And it is the fire, the consuming fire of God that is burning up self-centeredness and everything that has to do with pride so that when they go out, they are burning with the love of God, the passion of God for people, and it consumes everything they do. Then we have revival. Then we have revival. So what I'm saying to you is, in the circumstances that you're in right now, revival fire is happening. Will you let it consume you? Where you're at right now, the kingdom of heaven is invading, and its invasion is here. Messiah wants to rule and reign in the circumstances that you're in, so what comes out of it is not the same old self-centered, proud expressions that were there before, but that has now been consumed and set aside. You've taken up your cross, and now love is your cause. Yea, God. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, human nature does not like this foundation. Living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So our lives become a living sacrifice. Our lives become a a living display of worship in how we respond to him. And then he goes on to say, it's kind of like this. This is how it's going to come out. When your life is built on this foundation, this is what's going to come out. They're going to insult you. And you're not going to insult back. How is that possible? They're going to threaten you, but there's not going to be any threat that's going to come back from you. Why? Because you've surrendered your heart and trust to his love so that what comes out of you is his love in that situation. Or we could go to scriptures like this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement in being united with Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete to be like-minded and having the same love, one in spirit and one of mind, and doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interest of others. You understand? He's not... He's not teaching you how to do church. He's teaching you how to do Christ. We are the called out ones to do Christ. Have the same mindset that Jesus had. And I'm just going to do the Coles notes on this. He didn't pull rank or demand privilege even though he was God. But he gave up all sense of entitlement. He laid aside self-interest and he put on the cloak 
of humility to assume the role of the servant or the slave. He chose the path of obedience and sacrificed his life for the cause of love. That's the foundation to build on. Or this scripture, that was from Philippians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich. And in each one of these scriptures, the apostles are challenging the church in that culture to go against the mindset of that culture in order to invade that culture with the reign of Christ, which begins in them. I could go on to more scriptures, but I simply want to highlight the point. And I'm hoping as I'm moving forward, you understand, I, stu- I, I started with this statement that was kind of out of the blue, and everybody looks at me like, huh, what does that really mean? He is the apostle sent from heaven. The 12 apostles are his apostles that he sent out, but he is the apostle sent from heaven. He announces the kingdom. He models it, and he lays his life down to fully represent it. And now he is the foundation for our lives, our community, and how we are to live. This must now become the foundation for our lives. Not only what he did for us to to begin to respond with the absolute security and certainty, with the joy and the celebration, with the freedom and the forgiveness that is ours because of what he did, but then understanding the selfless love that it took in order to provide provide that for us, we begin to build our lives out of the same enduring quality of the character of Christ so that we don't have we don't have what we call Christianity that's supposed to be built on the foundation of Christ but what's actually rising up has no representation of Christ at all but instead there is a people that rise up who have committed their lives to allow the Holy Spirit's reign in them to produce the very nature of Christ in the face of an opposing and perverse generation. Now we're talking revival. Let's stand and let's pray. As I said, this is a journey in conversation. Let me tell you where the altar call is. I like doing altar calls. So here's where the altar call is. I doubt you're going to get past this day before a situation is going to come in front of you in which you have a choice to please yourself or please Christ, to express from your self-centeredness or express Christ. That is your altar. That is his call. If you miss it, you rely fully on his forgiveness and his grace, that there is no condemnation, that he's absolutely for you, that he's going to provide you another opportunity. And now you look forward, 
And if you miss it, you rely fully on his love and on his forgiveness, but you do not justify your self-centeredness and pride. But you acknowledge, that didn't look like you at all. (laughs) You deal with it. I don't know if she's looking with joy to the next situation or looking back with humor to the last situation. (laughs) But there's absolute freedom in this, guys. The secure foundation is love and forgiveness and grace and empowerment. The Holy Spirit's inside of you in order to allow you to become aware of the truth and the reality of how you're living and in order to empower you to make, to, to maybe open your life to a new possibility. And if you will just simply turn to entertain a new option. Repentance will have taken place. And if you will rely fully on Christ who died for you and now lives in you to do this work by His Spirit, you will move through repentance to faith and your life will be transformed. You will worship Him more than you've worshipped Him ever before. Because your life will begin to recognize the cost of what he did for you. The depth of love it took to do it. The incredible mercy and patience and kindness that he's expressed. And you'll recognize this is not as easy as it seems. This is not just as simple as wearing a cross around my neck. This is big stuff. And he did it for me. Oh, oh. There is no one I admire more. There is no one who is worth my allegiance more. There is no one that I emulate to be like more than you. Jesus the Messiah. There is no one that deserves the allegiance of my heart and the offering of my life but you. Lord, I make this a declaration today. Empower me to live it. Empower us to live it. So that we as a community will stand justified by faith, no longer having to justify the way that we're living, but that we can receive forgiveness and cleansing. We can receive empowerment and transformation by your grace. So be it. Amen.